Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And it is so good to be back with you again today. It sure is. I'm so excited to do this again. Today we're at day number 19. Oh, we're getting so close to that habit forming time. We had to take a day off yesterday because we had a busy day with some friends doing a little bit of a documentary type thing. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait to share more of that with you soon. And we'll be sure to put all the details out there as soon as some of this is out. So. Oh, it was a really good evening. It was a good evening. It Lots was. of really good conversation last mm -hmm. night. So Some good, raw, beautiful emotion and sharing that with friends who truly care about you. It was a good evening. Yeah. So before we get started here, I'm going to say a quick little prayer and then Heidi will start us out in Matthew. So Father God, thank you so much for just this opportunity to share your word with people. Some people that we may know and some people that we may never meet. But thank you, Lord, for all of them and them just taking the time out of their day to listen and just open their heart and their mind to hear exactly what you need them to hear today. Absolutely, Lord. Just fill their hearts with the Holy Spirit and bring them what they need to hear. Father God, you're the greatest, and we look forward to spending this time with you today. I ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So we'll get started here. As always, the text that we're going to be reading out of will be down in the comments if you're following along in your favorite translation. If this is your first time listening to us, the message version is just a paraphrase of the Bible, written in kind of today's language, mm -hmm. easy to understand, very conversational. And it just puts a fresh set of eyes on some texts that you may have heard before, or maybe not. And uh, just gives you a different context of the Bible. So Heidi will be starting out here. All right. We're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 8. This is called, He Carried Our Diseases. Jesus came down the mountain with the cheers of the crowd still ringing in his ears. Then a leper appeared and dropped to his knees before Jesus, praying, Master, if you want to, you can heal my body. Jesus reached out and touched him, saying, I want to. Be clean. Then and there, all signs of the leprosy was gone. Jesus said, Don't talk about this all over town. Just quietly present your healed body to the priest, along with the appropriate expressions of thanks to God, your cleansed and grateful life not your words will bear witness to what I have done. Mm. What a rough thing, because you'd want to tell everybody. But he's telling them the more important thing here, healing you was great, but I'm more concerned with your heart condition. Yes, I want your heart, I want your mind, I want you, yeah. not your words. As Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a Roman captain came up in a panic and said, Master, my servant is sick. He can't walk. He's in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Oh, no, said the captain. I don't want to put you to all that trouble. Just give the order and my servant will be fine. I'm a man who takes orders and gives orders. I tell one soldier, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. To my slave, do this, and he does it. Taken aback, Jesus said, I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust in Israel. The very people who are supposed to know all about God and how he works. 
This man is the vanguard of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east, pouring in from the west, sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then those who grew up in the faith but had no faith will find themselves out in the cold, outsiders to grace and wondering what happened. Then Jesus turned to the captain and said, Go, what you believed could happen has happened. At that moment, his servant became well. Hmm. And now we'll be bouncing over to Acts chapter 11, verse 1 through 18. And I'll be starting there. God has broken through. The news traveled fast, and in no time, the leaders and friends back in Jerusalem heard about it, heard that the non-Jewish outsiders were now in. When Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of his old associates, concerned about circumcision, called him on the carpet. What do you think you're doing rubbing shoulders with that crowd, eating what is prohibited, and ruining our good name? So Peter started from the beginning laid it out for them step by step. Recently, I was in the town of Joppa, praying. I fell into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a huge blanket lowered by ropes at its four corners came down out of heaven and settled on the ground in front of me. Milling around on the blanket were farm animals, wild animals, reptiles, birds, you name it. It was there. Fascinated, I took it all in. Then I heard a voice, Go to it, Peter, kill and eat. I said, Oh no, Master, I've never so much as tasted food that wasn't kosher. The voice spoke again, If God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled back up into the sky. Just then three men showed up at the house where I was staying, sent from Caesarea to get me. The Spirit told me to go with them, no questions asked. So I went with them, I and six friends, to the man who had sent for me. He told us how he had seen an angel right in his own house, real as his next-door neighbor, saying, Send to Joppa and get Simon, the one that they call Peter. He'll tell you something that will save your life, in fact, you and everyone that you care for. So I started in, talking. Before I'd spoken a half a dozen sentences, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did us the first time. I remembered Jesus' words, John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if God gave the same exact gift to them as to us when we believed in the Master, Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Hearing it all laid out like that, they quieted down. And then, as it sank in, they started praising God. It's really happened. God has broken through to the other nations and opened them up to life. That's amazing. That is kind of Hearing amazing. how Jesus is making sure that these disciples and the apostles knew. You don't keep this just for the Jews. You don't just stay here. I need you to tell everyone and that went against everything that they were raised to believe i can imagine culturally they probably felt like oh man i've been told my entire life not to eat bacon that bacon was dirty bacon is bad bacon is sinful mm -hmm. right i mean 
they felt that strongly oh, about yeah. these things. These were things that were in there. And now it's just all of a sudden the next day, like, it's okay. It's not that easy to go from. <laughs> I yeah, I've got personal experience going from one deeply ingrained set of beliefs and trying to shed those can be very difficult. Now, I can honestly say that from personal experience, yeah. but I am sure thankful that it was not meant for just a very, very small, specific segment of the population, but that Jesus really does love the world. Amen. And now for everybody's favorite part of the segment, we're rewinding back to the Old Testament, and Heidi will be finishing out chapter 18 in Psalms. All right, we're starting at verse 25. And again, this was... Uh, David's song, and he's saying this to God after being saved from all of his enemies and from Saul. So, 25. So, can I have you do something for me real quick? Can you read verse 24 just because of how powerful it is? I feel put back together, and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life, and I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Oh, so good. It is All right, so good. sorry about that. Just I saw that, and I was like, I just need to hear that one more time. <laughs> There's some good stuff in here. Okay. The good people taste your goodness. The whole people taste your health. The true people taste your truth. The bad ones can't figure you out. You take the side of the down and out, but the stuck up, you take down a notch. Suddenly, God, you floodlight my life. I'm blazing with glory, God's glory. I smash the bands of marauders. I vault the highest fences. What a God! His road stretches straight and smooth. Every God direction is road tested. Everyone who runs towards him makes it. Is there any God like God? Are we not at bedrock? Is not this the God who armed me, then aimed me in the right direction? Now I run like a deer. I'm king of the mountain. He shows me how to fight. I can bend a bronze bow. You protect me with salvation armor. You hold me up with a firm hand. Caress me with your gentle ways. You cleared the ground under me so my footing was firm. When I chased my enemies, I caught them. I didn't let go till they were dead men. I nailed them. They were down for good. Then I walked all over them. You armed me well for this fight. You smashed the upstarts. You made my enemies turn tail and I wiped out the haters. They cried uncle, but uncle didn't come. They yelled for God and got no for an answer. I ground them to dust. They gusted in the wind. I threw them out like garbage in the gutter. You rescued me from a squabbling people. You made me a leader of nations. People I'd never heard of served me. The moment they got wind of me, they listened. The foreign devils gave up. They came on their bellies, crawling from their hideouts. Live, God, blessings from my rock, my free and freeing God towering. This God set things right for me and shut up the people who talked back. He rescued me from enemy anger. He pulled me from the grip of upstarts. He saved me from the bullies. That's why I'm thanking you, God, all over the world. That's why I'm singing songs that rhyme your name. God's king takes the trophy. God's chosen is beloved. 
I mean David and all his children always. That was a great ending to that song. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. I've, I've been enjoying David. Now we're going to bounce back to Genesis chapter 41. So just to recap a little bit, Joseph was still in prison. Mm. He thought he was getting out. The cupbearer, his life was spared, but the head baker just got killed. He told them their dreams. And he did tell them. What he said would happen, happened. Worked out great for the cupbearer. Didn't go so well for the baker. But, but it would be like if I helped somebody get out of prison, and then they just get out, and then they go on with their life. Meanwhile, I had said, hey, put in a good word for me and try to get me out too. And then that guy just goes on with his life and you're left in prison. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a just a terrible feeling for... Uh. Yeah. So we'll pick up here in chapter 41. Two years passed. Two years. So two years after... Oh, I... I know. When I was in prison, I had to go to the parole board at year number three. And I thought I was going home. I was so ready to come home. I had letters written. I had a job ready. All of the good stuff. And then the parole board looked at me and they sent me back a little letter that said, we're sorry, but we need you to stay here for two more years. So I get it with this whole mm -hmm. two years. It, But I will say this, God worked a lot of good in my life in that two years. So let's see what God does here. All right. And I'm sure because he was kind of running the prison. He was yeah. put in charge and... Yep. With his faith and belief in God, I believe he did amazing things in those two years. So two years had passed, and Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile River. Seven cows came up out of the Nile, all shimmering with health and grazed on the marsh grass. Then seven other cows, all skin and bones, came up out of the river after them and stood by them on the bank of the Nile. The skinny cows ate the seven healthy cows. And then Pharaoh woke up. He went back to sleep and dreamed a second time. Seven ears of grain, full-bodied and lush, grew out of a single stalk. Then seven more ears grew up, but these were thin and dried out by the east wind. The thin ears swallowed up the full, healthy ears. And then Pharaoh woke up another dream. When morning came, he was upset. He sent for all of the magicians and sages of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but they couldn't interpret them to him. The head cupbearer then spoke up and said to Pharaoh, I just now remembered something. I'm sorry. I should have told you this a long time ago, you think? <laughs> Once, when Pharaoh got angry with his servants, he locked me and the head baker in the house of the captain of the guard. We both had dreams on the same night each dream with its own meaning. It so happened that there was a young Hebrew slave there with us. He belonged to the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, each dream separately. Things turned out just as he interpreted. I was returned to my position, and the head baker was impaled. Pharaoh at once sent for Joseph. They brought him on the run from the jail cell. He cut his hair, put on clean clothes, and came to Pharaoh. I dreamed a dream, Pharaoh told Joseph. 
That sounds a little Martin Luther King, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I have dreamed, a dream. I dreamed a dream. I think this is a little different. <laughs> I dreamed a dream, Pharaoh told Joseph. Nobody can interpret it. But I've heard that just by hearing a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered, not I, but God. God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile. Seven cows, shimmering with health, came up out of the river and grazed on the marsh grass. On their heels, seven more cows, all skin and bones, came up. I've never seen uglier cows anywhere in Egypt. Then the seven skinny, ugly cows ate up the first seven healthy cows. But you couldn't tell by looking. After eating them up, they were just as skinny and ugly as before. And then I woke up. In my second dream, I saw seven ears of grain, full-bodied and lush, growing out of a single stalk, and right behind them, seven other ears, shriveled, thin, dried out by the east wind, and the thin ears swallowed up the full ears. I've told all of this to the magicians, but they can't figure it out. Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's two dreams both mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh what he is going to do. The seven healthy cows are seven years, and the seven healthy ears of grain are seven years. They are the same dream. The seven sick and ugly cows that followed them up are seven years, and the seven scrawny ears of grain that are dried out by the east wind are the same. Seven years of famine. The meaning is what I said earlier. God is letting Pharaoh in on what he's going to do. Seven years of plenty are on their way throughout Egypt, but on their heels will come seven years of famine, leaving no trace of the Egyptian plenty. As the country is emptied by famine, there won't even be a scrap left of the previous plenty. The famine will be total. The fact that Pharaoh dreamed the same dream twice emphasizes God's determination to do this and to do it soon. So Pharaoh needs to look for a wise and experienced man and put him in charge of the country. Then Pharaoh needs to appoint managers throughout the country of Egypt to organize it during the years of plenty. The job will be to collect all the food produced in the good years ahead and stockpile the grain under Pharaoh's authority, storing it in the towns for food. This grain will be held back to be used later during the seven years of famine that are coming on Egypt. This way the country won't be devastated by the famine. This seemed like a good idea to Pharaoh and his officials. Then Pharaoh said to his officials, Isn't this the man we need? Are we going to find anyone else who has God's spirit in him like this? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, You're the man for us. God has given you the inside story. No one is as qualified as you in experience and wisdom. From now on, you're in charge of my affairs. All my people will report to you. Only as king will I be over you. So Pharaoh commissioned Joseph. I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his finger and slipped it on Joseph's hand. He outfitted him in robes of the best linen and put on a gold chain around his neck. He put the second-in-command chariot at his disposal, and as he rode, people shouted, Bravo! Joseph was in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Pharaoh told Joseph, I am Pharaoh. 
but no one in Egypt will make a single move without your stamp of approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph an Egyptian name, Zephanath Paneah. God speaks and he lives. We'll stick with Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, Joseph is good. He also gave him an Egyptian wife, Asenath, and the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of An. And Joseph took up his duties over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he went to work for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. As soon as Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he began his work in Egypt. There's a little pause here. I'm almost done with chapter 42, but it says, Why would God use slavery and imprisonment to get Joseph where he wanted him? What parallels do you see with the route that God is taking you? How are you getting ready for the future that God might have for you? Hmm. During the next seven years of plenty, the land produced bumper crops. Joseph gathered up the food of the seven good years in Egypt and stored the food in cities. In each city, he stockpiled surplus from the surrounding fields. Joseph collected so much grain, it was like the sand of the ocean, that he finally quit keeping track. Joseph had two sons born to him before the years of famine came. Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, the priest of An, was their mother. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, which means forget, saying, God made me forget all of my hardships mm-hmm. and my parental home. He named his second son Ephraim, which means double prosperity, saying, God has prospered me in the land of my sorrow. Then Egypt's seven good years came to an end, and the seven years of famine arrived, just as Joseph had said. All countries experienced the famine. Egypt was the only country that had bread. When the famine spread throughout Egypt, the people called out in distress to Pharaoh, calling for bread. He told Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. As the famine got worse all over the country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold emergency supplies to the Egyptians. The famine was very bad. Soon the whole world was coming to buy supplies from Joseph. The famine was bad all over. And that's the end of chapter Mm. 41. And friends, I can tell you, if I... I can just picture this, like if I got called out of my cell to go, let's say, (laughs) meet the warden or a a guest that the warden had. Maybe the governor. The governor. And then all of a sudden, literally five minutes later, the governor's like, all right, listen, I'm putting you in charge. I'm giving you this ring. Put the robes on. That's right. I got a limo here for you. You can go where you want. You you know, this, that, and the other. Here's all of your benefits. Everybody's going to be reporting (laughs) to you. I'm like, hold, like, whoa. So I'm not going. So back. I don't have to go back to that cot back there. Like, I, so what am I, am I going to eat that ham and cheese sandwich that from yesterday or? What an abrupt change. And he was just 30 when this all happened. He'd already been in jail for a number of years. He was a teenager when his brothers threw him in the pit. So. He had a lot of experiences happen in a very short amount of time. I mean, really, if you think of it, a lot of things. And at 30 years of age, he's running Egypt. He had things perfectly set up to endure this famine and led to some 
pretty remarkable things. I also saw in there how even though here he is, here's Joseph and he's in this foreign land, he's out of prison, he's got a wife, he's got a couple kids, but his heart still longs to be home. Like he's naming his kids things that, you know, it's a sorrowful, it's joy. Like, yes, you've prospered me, but there's also sorrow. Like I long to be home. He longed I, to be can home. You, I just want to look at that again. Cause I, that's interesting. Cause that's not what I heard at, really? at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No. And in fact, what I absolutely loved is the fact that he married this Egyptian. So he had children that were not Jewish. They were mixed race. And yet they were Ephraim and Manasseh, correct? So Joseph had two sons born to him before the years of famine came. Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On, was their mother. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, which means forget, saying, God made me forget all of my hardships in my parental home. This child to him was such a gift from God and brought such a joy that that pain and ache and longing for what he lost was gone from him. He had a wife, he had children. But then his second son, double prosperity, Ephraim, saying, God has prospered me in the land of my sorrow. Right. This, I think this land, when he woke up, he knew I'm an outsider here. It, I don't think he felt like at any point, like this is my people and this is my land. Oh, I, I, think I know that, that there he was didn't. a sorrow and a and a loss almost from not so, being home. Well, he'd been accused of a rape that he didn't do, so he went to jail. His brothers tossed him into a pit, <laughs> sold him off. He got dragged, sold again to Potiphar, who loved him, put him in this high position, and then that accusation came, and then to jail, and now in charge of everything. He's had a lot of sorrows. But I think I just take a differing view. I think having those two children, having family, mm. restored to him a sense of what he had lost. He never felt at home there. That wasn't his And now home. he was finally starting to feel But he had a, a family. Yeah. And like, you're my family. Wherever you are, I'm home. And I think God allowed him that. Got it. I also love the fact that those would have been considered Gentile children. Yes, and they're in the family tree. They are, they <laughs> were part of the nations of Israel. And I think that's absolutely beautiful and amazing. The reading all through this today was about God's love, not just for the Jewish people right. any longer, but for everybody. But for everybody. And it's for you too, no matter how far gone you think you may be, no matter how dirty, you think you may be in front of God, you don't have to get cleaned up before you go back to him. That's the beautiful thing. You just have to say yes and take one step. That's it. Or I'm thinking about people that maybe like me have been a believer in a Christian their entire life. Sure. And you could say it and claim that, but you didn't have that real raw relationship with God like it could be. I think you can get complacent after a time. You get into habits and routines and you go about your thing. And um, so if you find yourself in either one of those, I'm going to challenge you a little bit to seek Jesus out and have a conversation. Ask him to come close and build that friendship with him and mm. see what happens in your life. 
some amazing stuff. It happened to me. Mm. So friends, we are so happy to have you along on this journey through the message. We will see you tomorrow for day number 20. And until then, be blessed. And we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. And until then, avoid vegan wet burritos. Absolutely. Good (laughs) advice there. Have a good night. Good night, everybody.